Welcome to Getting In, a college coach conversation. On this show, the team of experts from Bright Horizons College Coach aim to demystify college admissions and finance. From building a well-balanced college list and developing a payment strategy to creating a high school plan and more. Each episode will help guide your family through various steps of the process. Enjoy the show. Welcome everyone to today's episode of Getting In, a College Coach Conversation. I'm Sally Ganga from College Coach. I'm excited to note that we've been a featured podcast last week on Amazon Music. So welcome to any new listeners who found us there. Thanks so much for tuning in. And regular listeners, if you haven't tried Amazon Music yet, check out their platform for a great listening experience. For my second segment, I'll be talking with Lauren Randall, former admission officer and college counselor, about being kind once admission decisions are released. Um, Please do listen in because this process is quite stressful, so it's always a good idea to be mindful about what it means to be kind um, in this space. And for my third segment, I'll be talking with Elise Krantz, college coach veteran and champion of all the details of the common application and applications in general about the nuts and bolts of submitting applications and following up once they are submitted. But for my first segment, hopefully you can see Jen Wilcox um, on the screen if you're watching the video. Um, She is a college coach, college finance expert, and she's going to be talking to us about student loan borrowing basics. Welcome, Jen. Hi, Sally. Thanks for having me. Borrowing basics, great topic. Yeah, yeah. It's super important. I know people who are paying off student loans, so I can't think of things, uh, anything that's sort of much more crucial than this. Um, So what... I mean, let's kind of start with the different kinds of loans, because I also do think that people aren't aware. Like I talk to students about loans and they're like, I don't want to take out loans. I've heard the stories and I'm like, wait, there are loans that are favorable rates that are very reasonable. And then there are loans that, yes, you should run away from screaming. So, So maybe we could get into some of that. Yeah, before we get into that, I would like to give people some homework and things to think about before they think about borrowing. Um. One is who's going to borrow? Is it going to be the student? Is it going to be the parent? Um, how much are you going to need to borrow? How many years are you going to need to borrow? A lot of people think of one and done, quick year, we need to borrow, but you're probably more than likely going to need to borrow for, if you're doing a typical four-year education, you'd need to borrow for all four of those years. And the last one is, do you have other children that you might need to borrow with? So there's a lot of things to think about as we kind of go through the different types of loans. Mm -hmm. But yeah, definitely great question on the types of loans. So there are direct loans that come from the government. And then there are private loans that come through private entities, um, whether that's a bank or a student loan provider, some state agencies, or sometimes even the college themselves offer institutional-based loans. Um, So yeah, that's definitely um, kind of the gamut of the typical traditional student loans. There are other ways sometimes people like to borrow, but those are kind of the ones that are earmarked just for college um, Mm -hmm. cost. And why don't we start with, maybe you can tell us a little bit about the federal student loan program. Great. That is a very popular one. So the federal student loan program is through the federal government, and it's really broken out into two different types of loans. The first one would be the federal direct student loan. The second one is going to be the federal direct parent loan. And both of those to apply, you would start with step one, filling out that free application for federal student aid. For those with students in college or freshmen that will be entering next year, that form, I know it's been delayed, but it is, uh, give a plug that it is opening um, hopefully by December 31st, so very soon. So keep your eyes and ears open for filling out that form. So the direct loans to the government are eligible for any U.S. citizen or eligible non-citizen would be eligible to borrow through that loan program. And as a student, it is grade level specific. So when you come into college as a freshman, you can borrow $5,500. When you advance sophomore, you can borrow $6,500. And then as a junior and senior, you can borrow $7,500 in those um, upper class years. Now, the loan does have a pretty hefty fee for originating it. It's about 4% they charge you to make the loan to you. There is a six-month grace period before the student would have to enter repayment. 
the amounts that a family or a student can borrow would be um, regardless of a family's financial need. However, if a family does show financial need, it could be a portion of that loan would be what's called subsidized, meaning the government will cover some of that interest. And a student could elect to pay the interest while they're in school to maybe keep the cost down on that loan. Um, your school will award it as part of your award package and a student would select they want the loan and then at that point um, fill out a master promissory note and then um, uh, entrance counseling and then the school would communicate with the Department of Ed to get the funds. And then on the reverse side, the parent loan is a little different. It's in a parent's name. You fill out your FAFSA. Now on the parent plus loan, they don't look at credit. They're not going to look at a parents' um, debt-to-income ratio like they will on maybe a private loan. It is a parent loan in their name. The parent is the one responsible to pay it back. They can defer um, payments until the student uh, graduates if they wanted to. Um, the parent would be able to borrow up to the full cost of attendance minus any other aid or loans that the student might take for that loan. On these federal programs, one positive to them is they do have a lot of securities built into the repayment, whether it would be more like an income-driven repayment plan, um, forbearance options, and then some of the more uh, federal forgiveness programs that we've heard about are kind of tied to these loans. So that's kind of the federal loans kind of in a nutshell. Mm -hmm. I'm curious with the parent loan, um, are there any reasons why anybody would be denied for that oh, yes, definitely. Okay. Great question. Yes, definitely. So if a parent has derogatory marks on delinquencies um, on their credit, they would be denied from that. If they've ever defaulted on a student loan in the past, they might be declined. But for the most part, it is a very open loan program. Mm-hmm. Okay. So unless it's there's an actual delinquency on a private side. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. All right. Well, that's good to know. Cause I know someone who was denied and now oh. I probably, now I know more about her than I should probably right. actually. <laughs> she, she, wished she, she was denied. Yeah. She didn't share why. I, right. <laughs> so, but which is fine. Um, all right. So what about the private loans then? The, 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 the non-federal loans. Right. So private loans are a little different. Those are, the borrower can either be the student or it can be the parent. If it is the student, it is credit-based. They will look at your credit score. They will look at your debt-to-income ratio. Those loans, um, if it is the student, a student doesn't have credit, so they would need to have a credit-worthy co-borrower. And I always note to families, the credit-worthy co-borrower is the responsible party involved also. So if you're co-signing for a student, you are also the responsible party there. Now, on private loans, the rates can vary greatly, um, where on the federal loan, it is a fixed rate um, for everybody, regardless of who applies. The rate is what the rate is, where on the private side... The loans are um, can go right now. You're seeing approvals probably in the seven percent and upwards. To we see some borrowers who get like fifteen percent rate. So the rates um, can be fairly hefty depending um, on those loans. Earlier, I'd said the federal loan charges a four percent origination fee. On these loans, they normally are zero or a very low fee to make the loan to you. Um, they usually have a six to nine month grace period at the end. Interest is always accruing. And then when you apply for these, they give you options for how you want to pay. And that usually is determining a determining factor in what rate you're getting. So if you choose that you want to pay while the student is in school, principal and interest, you're probably going to fare on the better rate side than someone who says they want to defer everything until the student um, graduates. Mm -hmm. So, and, I mean, it sounds like with the no origination fee, it sounds like the private loans are better, but they typically have higher interest rates, right? Right. It could. Well, right now they're probably both a very, very similar on the plus loan side. You're looking at a little over 8% private 7%. So it really kind of depends on it's very, I think, depends on each family situation. Mm -hmm. Okay. 
All right. So probably the big thing is also to look then about, yeah, subsidize. Is it subsidized? And then the debt-to-income ratio is, comes into play a lot because if you need to borrow for four years, sometimes we'll have families who borrow for one child for four years, and when they go to borrow for child two, the debt-to-income ratio makes it so they are not approved for a child two, so then they might need to revert back to the plus loan. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So just be careful. <laughs> yes, be mindful. Right. Yeah, be mindful. Think it out thoroughly. Um, and where would be a good place to locate a private loan? Yeah, these loans are great. I would say I would always start at your college, web at the college's website. Um, they usually list comprehensive list of loans that students have gotten approved for in the past or that have brought to that college. Um, state agencies are a great place to look. A lot of states, I think New Jersey, I think of New Jersey class loan, Texas has a great state loan program. So checking those options um, and then just doing a general internet search is um, also a favorable way. And then just looking into each of the programs to see rates, fees, terms, and all of those types of things are great. Mm-hmm. And any final thoughts to share with those who are looking to borrow a student loan for college? Yeah, great. I think I could get on my soapbox for the next rest of your podcast, but I yeah. won't do that. Um, <laughs> I think the big thing is borrow wisely. Um, as you can see from the Parent PLUS loan, it's easy um, to borrow loans these days. So borrowing wisely, knowing what you're getting yourself into planning and figuring out, can you and or your student who's borrowing, can you afford these loan payments? Um, talk to your student. What is major are they looking at? What's the starting salary going to look like for them? There is the Bureau of Labor Statistics has some good tools on determining what a starting salary would look like, figuring out what that is, and then doing some loan repayment calculators. Um, Bankrate.com has a great, easy-to-use loan repayment calculator. What's our payments going to look like? Does that fit into what you or your student um, want to get yourself into? On our team, we counsel families a lot um, who've borrowed um, what I call blindly and are upset now that they're in the situation they're in. So, Duh, I would hate to see you or your student be the one where the family um, is kind of stuck putting off retirement or a student living in their family's basement as they're trying to get started. So just make sure you're well aware of what you're getting you or your child into. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's funny. I, I always try and make it concrete for the student. Like I took out loans, but I took out like 15000 right? So what I right. tell students is that meant that I was driving a used car for a long time. Totally right. worth it. Never regretted it. And, and you know, I actually lived in a city where I took the bus a long time. Like buying a car was not something I could afford with my loan repayments. Not a right. problem. Completely worth it. But if you borrow too much more, then yes, you will be moving back in with your parents. And I talk to parents, students all the time who say, well, I want to go to college in New York because I want to look in, live in New York. And I'm like, you know, you don't have to borrow money to live in New York. You can just live there after you graduate. And right. that's actually going to make more sense. So I try and make it concrete for the students. And then as you said, with the parents, do you want to put off your retirement for this? Think about right. that. Yeah. Generally speaking, when I was in the aid office, we used to say, try as a student, try not to borrow more than what your starting salary would be coming out of college. So that would kind of gives you a kind of a general guide. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I always say, we always say on the finance side, and I hope you do too on the admission side, it's more important about what you do when you're at college than where you go. So definitely keep that in mind. I completely agree with that. It doesn't mean you shouldn't apply to these expensive schools, but right. think carefully if you don't get the aid package that you need. So Exactly. Yeah, balance it out with those in-state schools as well. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you so much, Jen. I really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you, Sally. Okay, and when we return, I'll be welcoming Lauren Randall. Little Birdie told me Voice America is on X. 
follow us at Voice America TRN. For 25 years, families have trusted Bright Horizons College Coach to guide them through the college admissions process. With nearly all of our students getting into one of their top choice schools, it's no wonder why. Our experience is unmatched. As former admissions officers at top colleges and universities, we've read the essays, reviewed the applications, and made the admissions decisions. We know firsthand what colleges are looking for. Ready to meet our team? Visit getintocollege.com slash experts to learn more. Do you ever have an off day? Or is your life positive and uplifting? Making Life Brighter is a forum for positive, inspired, and contemplative thought, showcasing experts in their fields, including authors, musicians, and artists. Your host, Winifred Adams, will bring to life topics to stimulate and make your life brighter. We want to hear from you. Be sure to tune in Thursdays at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. You are listening to Getting In, a college coach conversation. To submit a question for an upcoming listener Q&A segment or to suggest an idea for a future segment, please send an email to gettingin.voiceamerica at gmail.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back, everyone, and welcome, Lauren Randall. Thanks so much for joining us today. Thanks, Sally. It's always good to be here. Um, so Lauren used to be a producer of our podcast, by the way, and we miss her, but, uh, so it's really especially good to have her back on the show. All right. So this, this segment is something that I think a lot of people don't think about, but it is really one of the most important things you can do. And that's to think about how to be kind once decisions are released. So let's dig into that a little bit more. Like, how do you think about this? And I'll just mention that Lauren, like myself, used to be a high school counselor Mm -hmm. as well as working at admissions. Lauren, you were actually a high school counselor at two institutions, just like I was. So kind of talk about that a little bit and how you think about this part of the process. Sure. I think it's that perspective that taught me more about this than anything else. It's not so much my role as a college counselor now, but I'll get to that. Um, But being in the high school setting really opened my eyes to this kindness factor. Um, And I'm going to get sentimental just for a moment here. But when I think about this, um, it is it's actually one of my late mentors that gave the best advice. um, And he said it all the time, but written on his tombstone, it says, it's not a secret. Just be a good person. Mm -hmm. That sums it up. Mm -hmm. I recognize, acknowledge the stress involved from summer until early release date. It is high emotion, stressful, anxiety. You don't know what's going to happen. And good or bad, like you have to recognize that there is a collective here. You're still in a collective Mm -hmm. class. You are part of the class of 2024. And yes, this is about your future, but at the same time, this, some some things are, you know, not just about you. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I think this is absolutely a time to celebrate. If you get good news, it's a, it's a time to give yourself a moment or two. If you get bad news, that's okay. Just sit there and, you know, wallow for a second. Um, and I, I think you guys are going to talk about next steps. Um, but we're really focusing on kind of the reaction part of it. Mm-hmm. So it's okay to have those reactions. But I also think, think about like taking a step back and putting out good into the world and just being a good person. Mm-hmm. Tis the season. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And so what are some concrete things? Because I do think yeah. that plenty of times students are trying to be good people, but they, you know, they get into the college that's their top choice and they want to trumpet it to the rooftops. And that's a mm-hmm. very understandable reaction. That does not. But what if their best friend was also helping to get in sure. or even somebody that they're not close to, like kind of thinking about stuff like that? Like, how would you advise students in that circumstance? Yeah. And I almost think that it's the inverse, maybe, that uh, and not not always, I, I don't always find this with the students that got into their dream school because mm-hmm. sometimes they are so shook by mm-hmm. that reality that they almost 
don't even acknowledge it. Sometimes mm-hmm. I find that's the case. Mm-hmm. What bothers and irks me the most is those, the ones that they took for granted. It's, mm-hmm. well, yeah, I got into my stage score. Oh, yeah, I got, you know, $10,000 mm-hmm. from X, Y, or Z. And the blowing it off, mm-hmm. that irks me more than anything because that could be somebody else's reach school that they were so worked so hard and so proud to get into. Or mm-hmm. maybe that is a reason that you end up going to that school because of a great offer or your family's, whatever it is. But it's the nonchalance of the acceptance to the ones they were expecting that really does bother me the most. And I think does the most damage to other students of how they perceive their offers. Mm-hmm. So I always start there that every offer is a good offer. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. that is, you know, a, a take, take it, acknowledge it, you know, and if somebody else gets into say high five, me too. Like, right. right. We could, we could be there together. Um, that it's, Every offer is a win and to celebrate those wins. Mm-hmm. I think that it's the, you know, those, those unexpected ones, those reach that um, there's a bit of shock value and yeah. And announce that that's, that's great. I, mm-hmm. you, you shouldn't, you shouldn't try to pretend it didn't happen, right? You worked mm-hmm. hard, you were acknowledged for this. And I think that that's really wonderful, but also realizing that, probably the vast majority around you are still on pins and needles or did not get that same good news. So just be a good person. Mm -hmm. Uh, I'm just going to, I'm going to say it. I I think that it's not always or usually the student Mm -hmm. that this is the issue. Yeah. It's a lot of times it's those parents. Mm -hmm. And so it's the message for the parents who are more of our listeners, I think, than students is, you know, it comes from a place of love. You love your kid. You're proud of them. And they worked so hard. And so did you. Um, but not everybody is in that same boat. And a lot of students are still navigating this journey. Um, and so to, I think that's the rubbing it in um, mm-hmm. comes a bit more from parents, quite mm-hmm. honestly. I think you're right. I think you're right. And I actually love what you said about, um, you know, really like celebrating all your schools. Like I always try and work with my students to say, it's okay to say it's not your perfect match or it's not your best match. You prefer this other school, but don't put a school down ever. And the students who really embrace that, I just think like, thank you so much. That's absolutely Mm -hmm. wonderful. But yeah, the parents, it's interesting because even before I worked in college counseling, Um, When I worked at the University of Chicago, every once in a while, I'd get calls from parents who were just furious that their kid hadn't gotten in. Oh, yeah. And and that by itself, I was sort of like, I can kind I can understand that they love their kid, their kids dealing with a disappointment. But then Mm -hmm. the ones that would then follow it up by saying so and so got in. They weren't as strong of a student. Yes. Like and and the things they would say about these other students and I would have read all the applications, you know, because the, the call came to me and I wasn't allowed, obviously, to talk about why mm-hmm. a particular student got in versus theirs. But I was thinking, this is so appalling. I hope mm-hmm. you're not. I'd much rather they say it to me. Right. And to anybody else in the high school community. And you would hear that when I was in the high school community, too. It was mm-hmm. actually could get bad enough in some of the communities that some of my students decided, and I actually supported this, to not tell anybody where they got in and to only talk about where they were going. Once they yes. decided mm-hmm. where they were going, they would talk about it. But just to shut down some of the really negative parts of the like the rumor mill. Um, sure. Yeah. And I also, I find it really interesting because when parents talk to me and, and just say like, oh, you know, so-and-so didn't get in or they, or I, I hear oh, well, somebody got into an Ivy and got all this merit scholarship. I'm like, well, that didn't happen. Right. I also find it so interesting, the lies that go around. Um, and I, I said, well, that's just what they said. Or sometimes parents say, you know, if somebody didn't get in, they say, oh, well, you know, my kid uh, decided to withdraw their application. It's probably not true. They probably did. So, you know, I think that there's, all, you know, just stay in your lane. There's yeah. a lot of... Uh, 
just out of pride, I guess, that sometimes there's some fibs that mm-hmm. happen um, and you just never know the whole story. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you really, really don't. Like, absolutely never. Even if this is someone who's close to you, mm-hmm. um, you're not going to know the whole story. And and also part of it, I think, is because people sort of convince themselves of things. Like, I worked uh, occasionally with students who came from very prominent families for a variety of reasons, maybe the entertainment industry, et cetera. And I can promise you that those families were never going to admit that they had just made a major donation or they had, you know, and I'm not naming any names and I, you know, but like these things play a role too. This is not something you can control. Mm -hmm. So just stay, stay out of it. But you also don't know that that's the case. I mean, I had a student who got into, you know, many of the most selective colleges and I can promise you that the students all assumed that they knew why. And I, Mm -hmm. I was like, you know, as a high school counselor, again, there's a lot of stuff that's you're not allowed to talk about, but there I was like, no, she's an amazing student and you are forgetting that. Yeah. And I think you all know that, mm-hmm. you know, like, like don't forget that she's an amazing student. I'm not going to go into the rest of it, but don't forget that. So everybody just realize that it's, there's a, a level to this process. that's mysterious. And the other thing that I like to make sure people know is even the people who are reading the applications don't know who's going to get in or who's going to be prioritized or, you know, until the whole end of the process, like they don't know, there's so many different factors that are decided on during the process. So keep that Mm -hmm. in mind as well. So yeah, be kind, be kind. (laughs) So what are some other ways um, to maybe be kind? Like what are some other things that can be done? So we're talking, you know, some students, I agree with you, some students don't um, share at all until they just the place where they're going to enroll, but there are some people to share with. And I saw this on the high school side. I see it uh, now as a college counselor. It does blow my mind. The people that have supported you along the way where you don't share the good news. Yeah. You're on pins and needles. If you have a counselor, a teacher who wrote you a letter of recommendation, a coach who's been there every step of the way and you're a recruited after whatever it is, mm-hmm. there are people that truly care about you and were willing to do those things to support you along the way. And to not share that news, it's kind of like saying, well, I don't think you really care about the outcome. And of course we do. Yeah. So that also just blows my mind that sometimes the radio silence with those that truly do care mm-hmm. um, and we don't get anything. As a, and I, I don't need a long handwritten thank you note. Right. Would that be nice? Sure. I will always take it. But just to fill me in or, you know, and I say I coach my students the same way. Go tell your teachers and thank them, mm-hmm. not just for making you a smart person and helping you, you know, get attain the knowledge that you need to be successful in college, but to support you anywhere that that letter of recommendation or whatever mm-hmm. it was along the way. Um, acknowledge it goes a long yeah. way. Yeah. Yeah. I worked with a, a few students who I worked with them intensively on their essays, et cetera. This is as a high school counselor. And then they didn't tell me when they got in. And I was yeah. like, really? Yeah. Like I'm much more sympathetic, obviously, when students don't get in like that, they're probably Mm -hmm. sad and they're grieving it. But if you have good news, please share it with the people who have assisted you along the way. They're really going to be happy to hear it. But I have to put the bad news too, though, that that is why you have a support system. It's not for the wins. It's also to to help you navigate those losses and to say, okay, well, what's next, what's your next step? What do you have in your pocket? And how can we, you know, how can we celebrate that? So I think, it, I, I, I think it is the wins and the losses, the good and the bad, however you are sitting with it to share with the people that have supported you along the way, you know, mm-hmm. is the right thing to do. Yeah. Oh, definitely the right thing to do. Um, yeah. Without a doubt. Um, anything else like, I'm just trying to think like to me, those are sort of the biggest things Mm -hmm. right there. So I'm just kind of curious if there's anything else that you can think of in terms of being kind. I'm going to, I mean, I have some, I have a a situation where, you know, student wasn't kind, um, but I want this a little bit off topic, but I'm just going to throw it in there because I think there's one thing that colleges do sometimes Mm -hmm. not kind, Uh, a little bit off topic, but it's about this kindness. Um, and it's complete, they are, 
in their right to do this. But so, so I personally find it unkind, but colleges are allowed to kind of incentivize you students to, to, to make a decision sooner. So if you get that early offer, they're allowed to throw things at you like priority housing. If you submit mm -hmm. your enrollment deposit, you get priority housing or, you know, some kind of perk. I find that unkind that colleges can kind of force students to make a decision before they're ready. Mm -hmm. But I'm just going to throw it out there that they're allowed to, that might happen. Um, that's just how it sits with me. But uh, so I'm just putting it on that. It's not, it's not, I'm not only throwing the students under the bus, you know, mm -hmm. colleges, um, you know, I, I don't find it particularly kind to force a student to make a decision before they're ready, but it, it does kind of happen. Yeah. Yeah. The other thing too, that I would say for a student who does get into their top choice, if they know that's where they're going, even if it was an early decision and they don't have an obligation, do let the colleges know that you're not going, even Absolutely. if like, if, even if you haven't heard yet, even if you've submitted the applications, you did all this work. Sometimes students are like, I just want to know what's going to happen, but mm -hmm. let's just be fair to the college. Let's be fair to the other students applying. If you know, you're not going, this is different. If you're not sure, yes. like maybe you applied to one school, you got in, you're really, really happy, but there are two others that are really up there and you want to visit them again. Mm -hmm. Fair enough. But to stay with all your colleges, including the ones that are not quite as good of a match for you, that's that's unkind. Absolutely. Put good karma out into the world. If you can release something that you know you're not going to go there for whatever reason, or mm -hmm. even if the decision didn't come back yet, and that if, if, you, if you're an early decision applicant and you got in, you must right. withdraw your application. That is a must. That is not just kindness. That's what you agreed to. Right. Um, yes. So yes. put that karma, give that offer to somebody else that is, is on pins and needles waiting for it. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, unless you really need to hold out maybe because you were admitted early action, but you're hoping for a scholarship mm -hmm. from someplace sure. else. Fair enough, but it really needs to be for a reason like that. Yes. So, okay. All right. Well, I think that's everything. Thank you so much, Lauren. Absolutely. Sally. It's always good to be with you. All right. So when we return, um, I'll be talking with Elise Krantz about the nuts and bolts of submitting applications and want, what to do once they have been submitted. Want to see what Voice America is up to behind the scenes? Follow us on TikTok at Voice America Talk Radio. In every college application, there's that moment of pause before a student hits send. Is this my best work? With Bright Horizons College Coach, your student will hit submit with confidence. We take the guesswork out of applying to college. Students get help with everything from essays, summer planning and visits, to testing strategy, merit aid, and more. As for our results, 100% of students have earned acceptances, nearly all to one of their top choice goals. Visit getintocollege.com slash experts to learn more. The boroughs are New York City. The burbs are everywhere else. Real estate is the ultimate game of risk and reward. It's the biggest investment most people ever make. Fortunes are made over a lifetime and lost in a day. And we're not playing with Monopoly money. How do you stay ahead? Who's buying? Who's selling? And why? What do they know? We want the truth. You need an edge. Burrows and Burbs is your secret weapon to giving you the insider knowledge and strategies you need to succeed in the high-stakes world of real estate. From Palm Beach to Palm Springs, Manhattan to Malibu, we press the experts to expose the pain, find the deals, and occasionally predict the future. That's Burrows and Burbs, 3 o'clock Eastern, noon Pacific. Because everyone can make money in real estate. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. You are listening to Getting In, a college coach conversation. To submit a question for an upcoming listener Q&A segment or to suggest an idea for a future segment, please send an email to gettingin.voiceamerica at gmail.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back, everyone, and welcome, Elise. Thanks so much for joining me today. Absolutely. 
All right, so Elise is here. Elise, by the way, on our team is like the goddess of detail. She is the one that we go to for all kinds of information about the common application, like all those little details that stress out the rest of us. Elise is an absolute master at. So thank you so much for being on our team. I never miss a chance to talk about the common app. So (laughs) yes. (laughs) Well, we are very glad you feel that way. So um, all right. So let's just dive right into it. I mean, I think that people are pretty nervous about the common app. And I'll just start by saying, if you haven't started yet, start. I talk to people who say, "Don't do I have to like submit it the the right when I get into it? No. Will I accidentally submit it? No. So let's assume though that people are in there, they've filled it out to the best of their ability. What are their next steps? So when you're in the My Colleges tab of the Common App there will be a place that says review and submit. And you can only really get through that page if you see green check marks everywhere else in the application, right? So all the questions are filled out. You've done the recommenders in FERPA. Um, Any separate writing sections, they've all been, they all have that nice green check. Um, And then once you hit review and submit, again, I do the same thing, Sally. I say, don't worry. You're going to see a preview first. Don't, Mm -hmm. you're not actually submitting yet. So there's three steps to go through after you hit review and submit. So the first is that you'll see, it's called the final review and it will pop up a PDF of your application. Um, And a new feature this year that's really nice is that the Common App is giving you a heads up to say, if this particular college, like right now I'm logged into my account and I pulled up Lafayette College, if Lafayette is choosing to hide some elements of the application because that's just part of their admissions process. Mm-hmm. They tell you about it right on this page so that as you're scrolling through the PDF, if you notice, wait a minute, my my test scores aren't on here and I wanted them to be on, that is probably why. Or like, why is my social not listed? Why is my race? I listed my race, but it's not showing up. Oh, that's mm-hmm. because Lafayette chose to remove that. Um, and you can download the PDF. I often recommend students print it out even because sometimes seeing it on paper looks a little different than seeing it on the screen. Mm -hmm. Once you're okay with how the PDF looks, you actually have to check a box, say, yes, this is it. I've reviewed it. I feel good. Mm -hmm. You hit continue. You then go to a payment page. You have to enter all that. You hit continue. And then you get to a signature and submission page where you type in your name and you check boxes affirming that, yes, this is your own work. Yes, once you submit it, you can't change it those sort of things. And then you see the confetti and the balloons and you get very excited because it tells you, congrats, you have applied. (laughs) So that is, that's the nuts and bolts of, through the common app, at least how you actually submit that application. Mm -hmm. Okay. All right, good. So yeah, the big thing to come out though, is there are all kinds of double checks in the common app. Like, so if people forget some of the details you've mentioned, just remember the double checks and that there is a print preview that you can go through. Absolutely. I always try and summarize for people. Sorry, go ahead. No, and it's and if you try to jump ahead, like let's say you've missed a question, it won't that's required. It won't even let you submit. It'll mm-hmm. force you to go back. Um, the one tricky piece I will say though, most colleges have a one-step process. You just have to hit review and submit once. You go through those three steps. It sends your entire application, the main part of the common app, plus that college's supplement. It sends it all at once to that college. Mm-hmm. Some universities have chosen to separate because they just want to make your lives that much easier. They've chosen <laughs> to separate the main supplemental questions that they ask from their essay questions. So mm-hmm. it's kind of like a two-part supplement. And you'll know if that's the case because when you're working on the application, you'll see that there's questions under a section called application and then a question questions under a section called writing supplement. It's mm-hmm. all part of the supplement, but they separate it. So that will actually necessitate that the student does the review and submit process twice Mm. for those particular schools. So it's going to be like extra, extra check marks. And you'll know for sure, for sure, if you go to your dashboard tab of the common application, it will say application submitted, writing supplement submitted or downloaded if it's actually been downloaded. So you need to make sure you see that 
Mm-hmm. Um, submission or the downloaded on the dashboard tab. Mm-hmm. And do do that. I actually had a student a few years ago who forgot to do that and then didn't double check, even though I she got an email like everybody else to double check on this. Uh, luckily, the school she had submitted the Common App and the schools believed her. When she, I told her to go talk to her counselor immediately and have her counselor call the schools. And uh, so they accepted it late, you know, past the deadline, because they were like, okay, we believe you. And this does happen sometimes. But really, the stress and heartache that she dealt with until the college was opened, and she she was able to talk to someone, or her counselor was able to, nobody needs to deal with that. And there's no guarantee that every college would accept it. Some colleges can be stricter than others. So, So yeah, do double check, just go make sure yeah, I love it. I go onto my students' accounts sometimes with their permission, of course, and I see the downloaded and I'm like, okay, <laughs> we've done what we can do now. <laughs> so, And I know this was something that we were planning on talking about, but sometimes students get a little nervous if they see that it was, let's say they submitted it at the last possible minute. It's mm-hmm. due on January 1. They submitted on January 1, but the college obviously is not open on New Year's Day. Mm-hmm. So they submit it on January 2. Oh, that's after the deadline. That's when they actually downloaded it. Is that a problem? No. As long mm-hmm. as you submit it mm-hmm. by 11.59, your time, not the college's time, but your wherever you are living time, whether you live in China or mm-hmm. or England or Canada or the U.S., wherever, you are going to be submitting it by 11.59, your time. Mm-hmm. And that is good to know as well. Yeah, yeah, you don't have to figure out. Imagine if you're in Arizona, for example. I never know what time it is there. True. <laughs> True. <know? laughs> so sometimes mountains, sometimes Pacific, right? It's like, yeah, 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 exactly. What if, and I think this is many students' nightmare, um, what if you notice a mistake on your application after you've submitted? This happens. Mm-hmm. Um, and even though parents and students don't love this response when I give it to them, I say, if it's minor, if you notice um, a tiny misspelling, if you notice punctuation, Mm -hmm. um, something like that, A, first of all, you can't change it for schools Mm -hmm. that you have already submitted to. Like it's not even an option to somehow resubmit, even if it's before the deadline. But I try to calm my students by reminding them that those little flaws, yes, they annoy us, but in some small way, that kind of tells the colleges that you're human and we make little mistakes sometimes. Mm-hmm. Sometimes that overly, overly polished application can look too perfect because so many people have reviewed it. Not that you mm-hmm. want mistakes, not that I'm encouraging anyone right. to put a mistake deliberately, but if a small one sort of sneaks through, if you didn't notice it mm-hmm. and you're parent or guardian or whoever reviewed it or mentor or college counselor or teacher reviewed it and they didn't notice it, it's probably likely the the admissions reader may not notice it either. So if it's minor, fret not. Mm -hmm. If you have not yet applied to some colleges, let's say you had an early round and you catch the mistake, you can fix it before you submit it for your regular decision schools. You just have to go in the main part of your application, make that change, it'll save for you. And then any new schools will get the new application. Mm-hmm. Um, but if it's a bigger mistake, um, like you cut and pasted the wrong essay into the why I love your school mm-hmm. supplemental response, right. then you're going to want to reach out to the college, probably send an email or check their portal to see if you can upload that material so that it can be added to your application. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think that's an important distinction. I mean, I worked at the University of Chicago. We cared deeply about the essays. We talked about them. It never came up in committee if there was like one typo. If an essay was riddled, riddled, multiple, right, um, then it might come up because that was seen as being sloppy. But if a student had one or even two typos, clearly there'd been an effort to edit it, but something just slipped by. Please don't stress about that at all. Never came up in committee. Never, never, never. But yeah, if the essay said, um, you know, I want to talk about how great it would be to attend Northwestern, that was noticed. That was noticed. So yeah, that is something you would want to reach out about. And we, you know, as as humans ourselves on the admission side, we always did our best to not look at the mistake, mm-hmm. the application. Like we try to give you the benefit of the doubt. Um, 
and we will look at the corrected information. But a lot of it, I mm-hmm. feel like, depends on some schools will be able to include, will include everything that you've submitted. And so they'll see perhaps the mistaken essay plus Mm -hmm. whatever you've submitted later. Others may actually be able to just re-upload like a corrected version. So they Mm -hmm. may not even see them. You know, you just, you just don't know exactly what they're seeing. So just have lots of people review it. Use that Mm -hmm. PDF print preview Mm -hmm. to try and make sure that everything looks the way you want it to look. Yeah. Yeah. And don't expect, yeah, the I mean, it was really interesting. I was working with a student this year who didn't mention that, like, he filled out his parental information. And I said, wait, didn't both your parents go to college? He's like, yeah. Did I not put that in? I'm like, no, you didn't. (laughs) You didn't. Like, you know, list the list, all the answer the questions, you know, make sure that you've answered all the questions, even if they're not required. That's the point that I'm trying to make there. Well, for the ones you feel comfortable answering, right? Correct, correct. Yes. No, fair enough, fair yes. enough. Yeah, there <laughs> might be some questions that you feel like it's just, yeah, it's not in your value system to answer it. And then that is absolutely your choice. Yeah. And there's some questions that I actually actively tell students not to respond to, like a social security number. If you don't need it for financial aid, why put that information out there? Mm-hmm. Right. The colleges may end up following out, following up with you, and that might be a different situation, but why volunteer that information if you don't absolutely need it, which sure. you do if you're applying for financial aid. Um, and what if you receive a new award? What if this is, you didn't make any errors, but there's just, a, there's, an, there's an important update. You did, you, you know, you got something pretty cool. Maybe you got one of the national science fair awards. Like I can't remember what they're called now. It's Westinghouse <laughs> years ago. It's gone through a lot of iterations. Regeneron, I think. Might yeah. Be Regeneron. One of the current yeah. ones. Um, yeah. It, it, this is another one of those it depends situations. So let's say you are in a spring sport or a winter sport and you just found out that you got named captain. That's a pretty big deal. That shows leadership. Mm-hmm. Um, that I, I would recommend tr- checking on the college's um, suggestions for how to update your application. Most of them have information on their portals to say, here's where you can upload or you can email us. Um, but for small, even if it's even if it feels like, oh, but this is new, like I joined a new club mm-hmm. or I performed in my piano recital and I did really well, um, you know, that's probably not going to move the needle. So unless mm-hmm. it's something that you feel really changes the tenor of your application and your activities page, um, mm-hmm. something significant, something um, that maybe speaks to one of your your main interests or an academic focus, like, you know, your pre-major, um, you know, that might be worth looking into contacting the college to let them know about that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, I completely agree. But yeah, you don't want to contact them all the time about tiny <laughs> things. That can also be, that can even be annoying, to be honest. These are very, very busy people. Uh, there are exceptions to that. When I worked at Whittier, you could really reach out for whatever reason. We were a small college. Um, we wanted to be talking to the students all the time. But yeah, any, you know, larger public schools, schools that are quite selective, probably don't want to don't want to know. <laughs> and there's so. sort of sort of a, a little pro tip is that let's say you are gathering a few updates, like you have some of these new awards or highlights, maybe it doesn't seem significant enough to send in that individual email in January. Mm-hmm. Um, but let's say you hear back from a school um, at, in February, let's say that you got waitlist. I know that's sort of late for waitlist, but let's just say you can now send that information. Like sometimes mm-hmm. holding on to these updates is great in case you get deferred or if you get wait, right. oh, I was thinking of deferred. So if yeah. you get deferred or if you get waitlisted, sometimes that's the perfect opportunity to send in those updates because you need to say something new at that point anyway, mm-hmm. right? So it's it's a, a good avenue at that point. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And by the way, if you want content listeners about deferral and waitlist, we got a lot of that. So feel free to um, um, to research the kinds of updates the colleges might be looking for. But we got a little tip right now from Elise. <laughs> um, and so what if you applied regular decision? This is kind of a newer thing, mm. um, but you decide you want to be considered for early decision two or early action two. So some schools do offer early decision to or, or even early action to, which always seems funny to me, but whatever. I know, like, I know. It's like, you know, ED2 I get, EA2 I don't get, but anyway. Right. So basically the question is what if you want to change sort of like the, the 
the application type, right? So I know even there are students now um, in early December who have not gotten their decision back from a college that they applied regular to, and they're now hoping, oh, can you put me in the early pool or mm-hmm. somebody in the early pool who now wants to come out and they mm-hmm. haven't gotten the decision? Or let's say you applied regular to a school um, and you do decide, yeah, I really would like to commit as ED2, then you have to reach out to that college Mm -hmm. by email or get on the phone better yet and call them and find out, ask to speak to an admissions officer and let them know that you'd like to change this, the type, your application type. Um, Some schools will say, no, I'm sorry, you know, it's too late in the process. Um, Others will be able to make that switch for you in their system. But that's not something you can change. If already submitted, you can't change it through the Common App alone. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. This is something that has to happen through the colleges. I will say I haven't had a student not be able to switch to ED2 if they did it early enough. So uh, I think colleges tend to be pretty open to that as long as it's before the deadline. After the deadline for ED2, that's where it might not work. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So. And how to demonstrate continued interest then after you've submitted an application? I think that is really hard for students. I mean, they're like, well, what do I do now? And in many cases, the answer is nothing. Like, and actually <laughs> I'll bring up for the University of California system, they don't want to hear from you at all. You can reach out until the cows come home and they're like, there, there's not really a mechanism for doing that because they don't take into account that information. Lots of other colleges are a little bit more, are more open. I always like to think of this waiting period as an opportunity, if if it makes sense, um, to get to know the school a little better in case mm-hmm. you are waitlisted or you are deferred. Because maybe you happen to notice that um, there's a webinar hosted by the department that you're interested in. The English department is having this great webinar with one of their professors and you're able to listen in on it. You'll then be able to use that information when you write your love letter down the road of, mm-hmm. I'm sad I was deferred, but this is one more reason why I love your school, something mm-hmm. like that. Um and yeah, I agree with you. Sometimes the smaller schools, the less selective schools, they they don't mind the little email hello, but mm-hmm. only if there's something in there that doesn't feel like a waste of time, right? Yeah. To make it worth worth their effort to read that email. So Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But this is a this is a place where thank you notes can be great too. That's never going to be a waste of time. So a handwritten thank you note touches the heart of the admissions officer. It does. Yeah, without a doubt. A genuine call. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, we all love that. Snail mail. How wonderful. (laughs) (laughs) So, all right. Thank you so much, Elise. This was great. My pleasure. All right. And thank you to Jen Wilcox and Lauren Randall. And everyone, please join us next year for our discussion on who really gets into the highly selective or let's call them highly rejective because that's what they are if they're denying 96 plus percent of their students, more commonly known as the Ivies and what they do to distinguish themselves. Like who gets in? How do they distinguish themselves? In addition, and more cheerfully, if you're considering looking north to Canadian universities, which I recommend because they've got a lot of good ones, you're in luck as we have an admission officer from the University of Victoria as one of our guests. I think that is pretty exciting. And finally, I want to remind you that you don't have to listen to our shows live. Every show is accessible 24-7 on the Voice America website. You can also download every show for free on Amazon Music. Um, And if you're curious about other topics, remember to look through our archives. You can find them with our blog posts on blog.getintocollege.com. And don't forget, we're here every Thursday, 4 p.m. Eastern, 1 p.m. Pacific. Thank you for tuning in to Getting In, a College Coach Conversation. New episodes drop every Thursday. The goal of this show is to demystify the college admissions process for families around the globe. To help with this mission, please leave a review and share with your friends. And to learn more about Bright Horizons College Coach, visit GetIntoCollege.com.